Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 67 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Reuven Lerner. Hello. Curtis McHale. Good day. Eric Davis. Hi. Jeff Schoolcraft. What's up? I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Wayne Breitbarth. Hi, everybody. Since you haven't been on the show before, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name's Wayne Breitbarth. I'm the author of The Power Formula for LinkedIn Success, sort of a uh, a self-taught, self-made LinkedIn expert that didn't want anything to do with social media, but now has found a way to actually make a living doing it and just having a blast doing so. Awesome. So um, I've, I've been reading your book, and it's it's really, really good. And I'm really excited to talk about a lot of the stuff uh, related to LinkedIn. For us as freelancers, um, I'm a little curious, what do you think the most important part of LinkedIn is for us? Well. You know, I, I think that what we all have to do, I mean, we're all sort of in the game of trying to build our business every single day of the week, right? And and one of the most important things you got to do is make a lot of connections, the right connections. And then secondly, you got to make sure that your profile's got all the critical keywords. And I know you're a very techie guy, so you probably get that part, but many people don't. But, you know, the, the, the key with LinkedIn is just this huge database of business folks and waiting to be introduced to and connected with and you know hopefully a lot of good things can come out of it no different than you know if you go to a physical event it's nice to have more people there the better well on linkedin we got 250 million so it's pretty easy to find the people we need to meet so that's the key the key is to try to, to be able to define who you who you want to meet more of and then look for them and then reach out and make a connection and start things awesome so how do I find people that have lots of money and really interesting problems to solve on LinkedIn? Oh, that's a good one. What's a little, what will they look like a little more than that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the whole key to finding people on LinkedIn is using advanced search. And, and that's up on your top toolbar. You just click the word advanced. Then it's just a matter of filtering. And I tell you what, there's hardly anybody that once they figure out how to use that advanced filter, search filter, that they don't use that that tool probably several times a week to find more more and more people that that are in the wheelhouse. So something that's always turned me off though is random requests from people I've never met before, and I'm not even sure how they're related to what I do. It just has felt like spam many times. How do you deal with that? Well, you know that's one of the problems is that everybody's got a different agenda. And their agenda is not the same as yours, evidently. And I, how do I deal with it? Well, I ignore a lot of those people. When I can tell in their profile that either they don't even look like a real person or that I don't see anything on the profile that could resonate with me, then I usually just, I put them into archive or I delete them, you know, because you're going to have that because the, the beauty of the thing is it's a huge database and everybody can find people, but there's some people that are just out there trying to gather just as many people as they can so they can start spamming and you know there's it's it's you're damned if you do and damned if you don't because you want to go out and find people that you don't know too so you got to sort of put up with that part of it i guess so it's it's funny wait i mean you're describing linkedin as a way to find other people like to go and search for them i've always thought of linkedin as a way for other people to find me pretty easily um do you see it as bo both of these as useful or um yeah. are you sort of more on the on the finding well, others I think it's both. I think it's it's both ways, you know. Your profile hangs out there with all the right keywords and the right stories and the description of what you do and all that good stuff, waiting for people to find you. But on the other hand, I think you got to be proactive too and, and and use it in a way that, like I just got done before we got on the call, I just contacted 15 people that run radio shows and just sort of pitch the fact that I got the second edition of my book and I'd love to be on your show if, if, if I'm a speaker that's interesting to you. And 
I, I tell you what, by the end of the day, I'll probably get at least four or five of them say, yeah, let's go. And, you know, another five that'll probably pick up in the next few days. So because I search for business radio show hosts, people have that on their profile, but I'm proactive about that, you know. Basically, in order for us to effectively find the people that we want to find, we actually need to know who they are and what they're going to be listing in their profile so that we can use the search to identify them and then reach out to them. Yeah, and you know, the easiest way to do that is to, if you're doing, you always have a relationship with a certain type of person, like in this case, let's stick with business radio show hosts. Then I know those are the words that they're going to use in their profile. Okay, so then, then I do my search based on that. So you just look at people that already are good for you. Look at their profile, see what things they have in common, whether it's a school or keywords or software or, you know, a town that they're in or college they went to, whatever the criteria is. And then you can actually use a safe search so that LinkedIn can do that for you and send you an email weekly with people that meet the search criteria. Hmm. So years ago, when I was between projects and sort of trying to figure out how to get some new clients, I, I tried some cold calling. Uh, and I was like, well, what companies would sort of be interested in the kind of stuff, so kind of software development that I do? And not only did I completely miss the right companies to call, I mean, I was really, I was really bad at finding companies and then I was bad at the cold calling. And it sounds like what you're suggesting is linking could be used to at least solve part of the first problem where I can say, I really am interested in targeting a particular segment and then find people in that segment who are at least somewhat close to me, have some sort of relationship either with me or someone I have a relationship with, and then try to work on them. I mean, that's the key, Ruben, is mm-hmm. with LinkedIn, you can find the people, but then take that next step and spend some time on their profile and see what how you can reach out to them in a way that doesn't feel cold. Right. And maybe it's an introduction from a friend. Maybe it's the fact that you see that you're both are involved in a similar charity, or maybe it's the fact that you went to the same college, maybe not at the same time. Who knows? But with the information that's on people's profiles, you can start to think to yourself, why would this person want to talk to me, right? And so on these radio show hosts, I'm thinking to myself, well, they need people. I mean, they need the right kind of speakers to come on their show. So it's a win-win. I just have to find them and then at least share my proposition. And if it's a win-win, then they get back to me. Mm-hmm. So um, when, when I'm looking at people and I'm looking at their profiles, sometimes I've noticed, and you also point this out in your book, that uh, not all of the most important information is always at the top of the profile. So what parts should we be looking at when we look at other people's profile as possibly you know, key areas and what should we do to make sure that the most important information for our profiles is up where people's gonna, people are going to see it? Sure. So, I mean, when it comes to looking at other people's profiles, the spot that first thing I'll always do is look at their headline. The headline usually tells me sort of a, a very short synopsis of what they're up to and how I might be able to be involved or not. But then I go down and to the right-hand side and, and look and see if I know anybody that knows them. And then sort of get a feel for, you know, okay, if this person, this person knows them, they're probably this kind of people or whatever. Then I'll drop down to the in common with section to see if we if I have any icebreakers that would make sense for me to talk to them. But then I'll read their job descriptions. And the summary, the summary is, I'll read the summary first, because if people are doing their summary right, it's sort of like a cup of coffee, like, hey, sit down, have a cup of coffee. Let me tell you quickly what I'm up to and how you might be able to be involved. And then after that, just read the job descriptions and see if there's something that resonates, especially the current the current job description, because that's probably where that you're going to find out whether you're going to meet the needs of whatever they're trying to do or accomplish. But you're right. You could slide down to publications and all of a sudden you look, look and you find their blog and you read their blog and go, oh, my gosh, he didn't even mention this, but the blog is something I'm really interested in. You know, maybe that's what you use as your entree. So that's how, that's how I sort of approach looking at people's profiles. As far as your own profile, you know, what you got to do is you got to make sure that it's loaded with keywords and then it has to clearly define what your business is and the kind of people that you would like to meet more of. And not just, it just can't look like a, re, just like a resume, you know, because it looks like a resume or it's set up like one, people tend to load their resume stuff and then go, Hey, Wayne, look at my profile. It's all, it looks perfect, doesn't it? It looks just like my resume. And I go, well, that's a great start, but you got to go a lot further. Resumes are really boring and not interesting. And they don't really say how you want to work with people or whatever. And so make sure that the headline is catchy. 
and I don't mean catchy in a sort of a salesy way. I mean catchy in that in those 120 characters, people will get what you're up to. And a lot of people haven't even put a headline in. And so LinkedIn simply grabs your name, your title and your company name and jams it up into your headline. And it's not even descriptive at all. So you got to make sure your headline's clear because that travels around with you on LinkedIn. There's lots of spots where people will scroll over your name and up pops just a little summary, but in, that's your headline. And so it, it's got, that's got to be clear. And then I would make sure that the summary in those first two paragraphs, which are really high on your profile, clearly define what it is you're up to and how people could be involved or not. You know, the last thing we want to do is waste time with each other if, if, you know, if we couldn't help each other somehow. You know, so past that, then it's a matter of just building your profile so that your credibility stands out as a, as an expert and as a qualified professional in the space that you're in and give them some, maybe some free resources or some downloads or some video to watch. I mean, there's so many ways to take that profile to the next level of just a bunch of facts and figures into, hey, read this stuff, watch this thing, download this, and you'll see why I'm an e the expert you should call. So are you saying that my profile should begin with like literally the words or, or something close to the words, like I'm looking to meet people who have software problems of the following sort? Or, or I mean, how, how would you phrase it other than, well, this is what I do and this is what I'm interested in? Well, Obviously, I think different for different I, people, I think, right? <laughs> I, I think the sentence you just started with would be a perfect way to start your summary. Wow, that is wildly different than a resume, and I've totally thought of it as an online resume. Yeah, really I mean, you you should look at my profile after the call, and you'll see that first paragraph of my summary. How I basically my first sentence establishes that I'm an expert. I talk about how many people I've trained, but then I jump right into and I help business executives learn how to use LinkedIn to grow their business. So I really jump right into so the, a sentence so that if somebody reads it, they go, God, I've got to have this guy, right? Mm -hmm. Or not. The or not's fine too. Yeah. It, it does make it easy for people to uh, figure out if, yeah, if they're not a fit. Yeah. No, no, I don't think I would start my headline out with I'm looking for. In my headline, I would sort of, <laughs> I, I tend to use like the pipe key to just sort of use I think I've got the author of my book, and then I put a pipe keep social media consultant, social media trainer. So up there, it's a little more like just little quick little blurps about with keywords and things that you do. But then that first paragraph of the summary should be sort of like just what you said, Ruben. That would be perfect start. So the, the other thing, because we're talking about this versus a, a traditional resume. So on your LinkedIn profile, I mean, a lot of folks, in fact, most of the profiles I look at, because now I'm clicking through the people that I've connected with on LinkedIn, a, a lot of them, they have, like, this is the place I work, and then they have the bullet point stuff like you have on your typical resume. And when I'm looking at yours, I mean, y you get a little bit of the bullet point stuff, but it's, it's you know, here's what I do. And, you know, there are like three paragraphs before you really get to, you know, other services, training DVDs, classes I offer, things like that. Where then you're giving us a list, but the the main the main thing the first thing you're going to read is you know social media is here to stay blah 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 and you've got a couple of paragraphs there that explain it rather than bullet points on you know whatever and so my I guess my question is is say I have a position in my past where I ran a tech support team rather than saying built a team that da 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 and and then the next one's another bullet point should I say I built a team you know, that did this and we did this well and we, you know, we put these processes in place and kind of tell the story of my job as opposed to the bullet points of, you know, here's, you know, here's a list of, of whatever's that I did. Well, I, I think you've got to, you got to step back and say, what would I like people to, after they, the people have short attention spans, as we know, right? So if you, if you start off with, I was born in 1968 in, on a farm in Iowa, that's not going to grab anybody, right? So you've got to realize it. You got to get them early on with, do we have a match for continuing this, this reading of your profile, right? So that's why I think that first paragraph or even, even before that, maybe your headline will get people to go, should I keep reading more of Charles's profile or shouldn't I, right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, you want to draw a little bit off of your past experience so that people think you're credible. But if, if all you do is lay out the first three paragraphs of all my credibility statements, 
before you get to here's what I'm up to and how we might be able to work together, that you may not keep them around. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, you, you notice where I put my bullet points, that those are my calls to action. Mm-hmm. So most people miss the point on their both their individual profile and their company page that you better make sure you've got some calls to action in there because we assume people know what to do next, but many people don't. So, you, you, you know, when people are landing on a profile, it's sort of like shopping for a new car or a cam- I like a Camry. I was, in my classes, I talk about this Camry. And I said, people are using LinkedIn sort of like they buy a Camry or they're looking for people this time. And if you're not all shined up and ready to go and so people understand who you are and what you do and then what the next step should be before I actually come in and bring a credit card to buy you, and, and calls to action are simply a way to say, listen, go to my website, read this, download this, or even on this, right on this profile, watch this video, see this customer who talks about me. It's a process like buying a Camry and that we shop, 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 and then we might go look at two or three cars and buy one. Well, the same thing happens on LinkedIn. They're looking for people with similar backgrounds and they're, and they're trying to decide which ones to maybe call before they're going to get some pricing, before they're going to hire somebody. So it's a, it's a shopping process that you got to tell, move people along in the steps. Yeah. So again, I mean, I, you think of this as kind of a social network where you connect with other people, you, uh, you kind of put your resume online is kind of how I saw it before, but never really thought of it as a marketing, marketing channel. And, and it really, really kind of is. Boy, oh boy. You know, my problem with LinkedIn, my first six or seven months of friends bothering me to be on LinkedIn was because all I thought about it was what you've said, what you thought it was, right? That I don't need a resume. I own a company. What do I need to be on this stupid thing for? <laughs> <laughs> and then when I, the, I had my aha moment when I did my very first advanced search. And I said, oh my gosh, that is so powerful. I know a lot of people. And if I can start knowing who their friends are, uh, that is pretty cool. And then secondly, when I started to realize that your profile is is sort of your your number one professional branding online identity tool and and, and you and you can do tell all the storytelling and get recommendations and I said, you know what? It, it'll be it's a perfect marketing tool in both those respects. And so a lot of people are just sitting back trying to, you know, get their resume stuff and think something's going to happen and I think you're just missing it. Yep. Um, one other aspect that I, I really like about LinkedIn is the groups. Is is there a good way to take advantage of the groups? I mean, other than just participate and, you know, help people out? Well, let me tell you about groups a little bit, starting with the fact that you can be in up to 50 groups. There's a maximum. And there's several strategies on on groups. Before we go into what to do in a group, understand this about a group. When it comes to search relevancy on LinkedIn, one of the most important things that LinkedIn ranks relevancy on is a relationship with a person, which means that if I was searching for what you did and you and I were first level connected, there's a good chance you're going to come up higher in a search than somebody who I'm second level or third level connection connected to with the exact same keywords that I search. But groups also comes into play and LinkedIn sort of makes a conclusion on relevancy in that if you're in a group with somebody, there's a level of relevancy that transcends what our our connection relationship might be. So when you think about that, if you're trying to gain the most exposure and the most ability to communicate with people, you want to join a lot of groups. And so the smart people know that you should be joining 50 groups. Now, the trouble with joining 50 groups is you're going to get too many emails, but that's easily fixed just by going into your settings and turning off the emails of the groups that you don't want to hear from on a consistent basis, but you want to engage when you want. Okay. So start with that premise, the premise that being in groups is a good thing for exposure and communication. And, and then you, what you'll do is you'll have a strategy that you've got some groups that you'll want to engage in consistently because you, they're just the right space for you. And in those cases, what you want to do is go in and listen to discussions and try to engage, watch what other people are talking about. Uh, post your own questions or discussions because, you know, in groups, you want to sort of stand out as a thought leader in that space, whatever that might be. And, and the other thing about once you're in a group and you become sort of a person that people look to for answering questions and continuing conversations and posting good thought uh, leadership ideas, 
then start to look for connections in those groups because people already feel that like they know you. And so the connection part will be easy. For all of that, why would I choose LinkedIn over like another platform like Google Plus? Because you can do that in many other places as well. And you just, I only have so much time in a day. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about the Google Plus thing is that's the platform that looks like it's going to give the best competition to what's going on in LinkedIn. So why would I do one over the other? I guess at this point, I would just uh, look at it that probably the profiles and the searching works a little better on LinkedIn because people have been in that a little longer. So there's probably, a, I, I know there's more people on Google Plus than LinkedIn, but I don't think there's as many people with robust profiles to the point where they, you can do the kind of searching. But, you know, I'm experimenting with Google Plus, so I'm not going to tell you that I think that um, it's not going to be a formidable opponent or a, a place where you go, I'm going to spend time on Google Plus instead of LinkedIn. There's a lot of similarities there. And there actually, a couple of things in Google Plus I like better. The circles are sort of a cool idea, and the hangouts are really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it really just depends on, and this is something that you hear from a lot of marketing folks, is, uh, you know, Where's the circle of people that you want to be involved with? Yeah. You know, what, what I find, if I could meet with people on a day-to-day -day basis, it's, it's decision makers on people that can make a decision to hire me to help their company or speak at a conference or whatever. And I, what I'm finding is when it comes to C-level executives and people sort of at the VP level, most of them are now finally on LinkedIn. Believe me, it took a few years. But I don't find that the majority of them are on Google Plus just yet. And it might be that they just, you know, back to the question, do they have time to be on more than one? No, I think so that's industry I'm specific as well, right? Because like for me and mostly doing WordPress work, most almost all of the people that I would like could hire me or would contract to me in the community or refer me are on Google Plus. So. Yeah, you know, it, it, this whole social media space is going to be be where your people are. Yeah, absolutely. So the next question I've got for you is uh, around the endorsements. Is there a good way to do that? Is there a way of getting people to uh, endorse me for the things that I want them to or want them to? Yeah, this whole endorsement thing is the, the number one question I get all the time because it's it's, it's sort of annoying, right? I yeah, mean, it's really sort of annoying. Yeah, the blue box pops up and it won't go away. And it, like you said, it throws up some some skills that you don't even want to be endorsed for. And I mean, LinkedIn is investing a lot of time and money in endorsements, as you can tell. And so that makes it important. That makes it important, at least in their world and maybe for searchability. And I like to call endorsements, the yelping of people. And if you think <laughs> about it, yeah. So, yeah. So think about it in terms of that. Think about it in terms of three, four years from now, it's probably going to be an important part of the LinkedIn search algorithm for the skills, which to me look like keywords and how high you're going to show up in a search because LinkedIn's going to make the assumption the more endorsements you have for a certain word, the better you are. You can argue all day that that's not how it's done, but you know, that's how Yelp works too. People can go in and make a lot of recommendations and the next thing you know, people are going there, you know, so, but they're not going away. Endorsements are not going away. There's way too much effort put in by LinkedIn. But then the other thing you got to think about is this. If somebody's going to hire expert A or expert B, a couple of years from now, let's say, and they do their homework to try to decide which, which people look good and they come up with the last two candidates and they've done, they've done their vetting and they, and they get done and go and say, I like these two people. They both look great. And one of the things they might do, just like Yelp, is go down to endorsements and look up a, the word that you know, of the skill and they'll go, this one guy's got 350 endorsements. The other one's got 15. I think I'll start with the 350. Yeah. In, in my case, at least it feels like a huge number of the endorsements I get not to minimize the number of importance, right? But a huge number of them are from people whom I barely know who are endorsing me for things that are not necessarily accurate. Uh, but you're yeah, saying I that mean, doesn't really matter that people will still take it seriously over time. Well, no, here's what you should do. The management of your, your skills and the endorsements that attach those skills is to make sure that the skills that you have showing up on your profile and are getting endorsed for are the ones you want. So if, if all of a sudden basket weaving creeped into your profile because LinkedIn threw it out to me and I just said yes and you got it and you said yes and it showed up there and all of a sudden 10 more people endorse you for that, you ought to take down basket weaving. 
you know, because the system is sort of crazy and it's putting these words that don't mean anything. And, and everybody thinks they're getting endorsed by strangers, but you're really not getting endorsed by a stranger because you can only get endorsed by a first degree person. But it's probably a first degree person that never hired you to do whatever they're endorsing you for. So it is sort of crazy. But the management of this thing is to go into your endorsements in the edit when you're in edit profile and make sure that the right words are there. And if some words don't make sense, just take them down. Now, if it's a word like leadership, let's say, and all of a sudden you find yourself with 45 endorsements for leadership, it's not a bad word, but it's not a word people are going to search for, like LinkedIn training or LinkedIn speaking or social media marketing or something for me. Then you might leave that one up because you do get 50. But there is a management technique here to make sure that over time, the right things get to the top. Now, back to your question, how do you get them? You know, some of it's going to self-populate because of the way that stupid blue box pops up. but other ways are just simply to, you know, ask your clients to endorse you and write a recommend and or write a recommendation. I think recommendations are still important. I use them all the time. But, you know, how do I get them? I ask. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah, that makes right. a lot of sense. So I, I have another question for you. Um, I have the free account on LinkedIn. I haven't paid for it. Are, are there reasons to upgrade to paid? Yeah, there are reasons to upgrade to paid. My latest user survey says that about 15% are paying, 85% are still free. You'll know when it's time for you to upgrade because what's going to happen is you're going to ask for a feature and LinkedIn's going to pop a screen up that says you want to upgrade. And if that starts happening consistently when you try to hit a certain feature, like let's let's say you love safe searches and you get three of those on the free account and you ask for a fourth one, a screen will pop up and say, I can give you more of those, you just got to pay. And if that happens, you go, well, maybe I'll upgrade. Or like who's viewed your profile is a perfect example. That's a great feature. But you're only going to see the last five people that looked at your profile. Well, that if that's important to you and you found a way to make a living using that feature, and believe me, people do, then you may want to upgrade so that you can see that full list. So to me, it's it will become fairly obvious when it's time for you to upgrade. Most people don't have to upgrade at least as they're going from the beginner phase towards the intermediate. Once you get to be an intermediate user, you're going to find one or two of these features that you go, you know what, this feature's worth the 15 bucks a month. I'm going to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. What sorts of features? Can you name a few things that are worth the money in your book? Well, the ones that I love, and I'm on the free account, by the way, and I stay on the free account because I teach a lot of beginner classes and I don't want to confuse people. But if I wasn't teaching these beginner classes, I would upgrade for who's viewed my profile. I would upgrade for more introductions and I would upgrade for save searches. And then lastly, I would upgrade so that I could use the advanced people search where you can ask for a certain size of a business. So that if, if I look for presidents of, of a certain kind of company, that I can at least get rid of the really small ones that probably don't have a big enough sales staff to hire me, that kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so when I was reading your book, it seems like you have a pretty cohesive path through things. It's like, it's like you need to do these things so you can be found. Here's how you find the people you want. Here's, you know, here's how you put your profile together the right way and things like that. Um, so overall, it seems like you've got kind of this plan for, taking full advantage of LinkedIn. Can you kind of summarize the main points of that? Yeah, the main points are making, and in this order too, make sure that your profile has the correct keywords in the right spots, and then lots of descriptive stories about your experiences and what you're trying to accomplish. Make sure that you got a good profile. Once you have that, then the next thing to do is start strategically connecting with folks. You know, and, and yeah, you're going to go get 200 people from your past, from college and the church you go to or whatever. Those people are important. Go get them. But then once you feel your profile's in good shape, start using features like alumni, people you may know, advanced people searching to start finding some more people in the space that would help move your business forward if that's what you're trying to do or help you find your job. So like in, in my case, We'll stick with the radio show to have be on more radio shows so I can get more exposure with people all over the world about my book and what I do. Well, I find those people, but I know the first thing they do is they go to my profile. My profile, I think, is pretty stellar. They learn about me and then they come back. So the key is 
good profile, lots of the great keywords in the right spots, and then begin your proactive journey of adding connections, joining the right groups. But while you're in those groups, you're continuing to look for connections. So if you, the whole, the second part of this, the whole connection thing is think about it this way. Connections on LinkedIn are the gas in the tank. And if you've got 35 or 40 connections or maybe even 120 connections and you think that you're going to go way down the road for a long, long time, that's probably not enough connections unless they're the very, very best connections you could ever find. And that's all the people that you could ever want to meet. But for the most part, most of us that are trying to have bigger businesses and grow our relationships to sort of help more people and do more business. We want it. The journey shouldn't end of finding new more people because there's, you know, I'm not doing business with everybody I'd like to. Yep. Absolutely. It, it's funny too, because you keep coming back to the search. Yeah. The, the search thing gets, it's funny because that was my aha moment, right? That took me from not wanting to anything to do with social media, LinkedIn, not just LinkedIn, no social medias. When I did that first search, I said, Oh my gosh, that's, that's hot. And, and what's interesting is that search, learning that search feature was the first way we made some money here in this office furniture business that I'm still involved in by using the advanced people search. And so I saw it come together and make us some money quickly. I was going to ask you, what were you doing before you started training people and consulting in LinkedIn? Yeah. So I, I, I still work two days a week as the CFO of the, the office furniture dealership that I owned for 10 years when I discovered LinkedIn. That's awesome. So one one other thing that I want to ask you about, and this is something that I saw in the book, is um, you mentioned to put in all of your uh, charitable uh, organizations that you work with, and uh, you know things like it sounded like you put in like your church or whatever. What's the best way to do that? Well, you can a couple of ways you can do that. There's a section called um, Volunteer Causes and Experiences, where you can actually give each nonprofit that you're involved in its own little section and or you can list it if you're a volunteer and the, the time you volunteer is significant enough that you think it should be listed as a, a specific job that you've either had or have you could do that as well and my whole idea for that is if you think that part of your the the things you do for your community or the organizations that you love are part of your brand crossing over into your business brand where people go, I think that's pretty cool that this business guy uh, gives back to the community like this, then you should put it in there. If you think it's going to be a hindrance to certain people because they're not going to like the fact that you're involved in this or that, and then you got to, you got to just decide it's, it's a balance, right? But I think most people like to see people that have balanced personalities and give back to their communities and they they wouldn't mind doing business with people that have that kind of attitude toward the you know their community or their or the world yeah um one thing that eric put in the chat and i want to ask you about it real quick is open source projects now i'm not sure how familiar you are with the software space but open source projects are usually uh, done on a volunteer basis and uh, the source code is just contributed for people to be able to modify as they would like a lot of those, you know, you do put in quite a bit of time, but I noticed that on the profile, there's a projects section. Do they belong better in the project section or in the job section or how, how would you handle something like that? If it was important enough to you, I'd put it both places. Oh, okay. And, and here's a nice thing about it. If you'll notice on my profile, I moved one project to the very top of my profile. And, and it was, it's weird because really not a project, but it's just a way for people to start getting my weekly tips about my LinkedIn strategies and tactics that I came up in the last, in the last week. But I moved it to the top because I said, why not? It's important to me. And it's, it's sort of the beginning of my process to begin a relationship with somebody. So I think you got to somewhat be creative with some of these sections sometimes. And I, what you mentioned, I, if it was, like I said, if it was important enough, I'd put it both places. And if you wanted to really emphasize it, you could, you can, you can move any section on your profile when you're in edit profile where there's an up and down arrow. Yep. Yeah. The up and down arrow was a good tip from the book. And then the other one was the little, I forget what you called it, but it was a little business card or something or top box that showed up at the top of your profile. Yeah, that's just sort of a quick summary of where you've been and what you're doing and what you're looking to do. Yeah. One other question I have is I've recently uh, decided to grow some facial hair. Does that mean I need a new profile picture? Well, I think your your, your picture should be as, 
as current as it can be. Does that mean it has to change every time you shave or don't shave? I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I mean, my feeling is, is that if somebody, I, I think about it in terms of like a conference. One of the things I like to share with people is, you know, when you go to a conference, you spend a lot of money getting on an airplane and, you know, you want to meet the right people that LinkedIn can be a great tool for making sure that you vet out who's going to be there. And the picture is really helpful so that you can you can sort of strategize and say, you know what, before I get on this airplane to come back home, I'm going to meet this person, this person, this person. And if it's a current picture, you can walk across the room and say, hey, Charles, nice to meet you. How did you know? Well, I saw I got your profile. I got your profile right here in my pocket. I've been wanting to meet you, blah, 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 right? If, if I can't tell who you are, then I might, you know, be disappointed. I'll, I'll probably look for the name tags at a conference. But in general, I, I think the key has got to be, be current and reflect sort of your the professional person you are and that's about it awesome do you guys have any other questions for wayne yeah i had one on groups um you mentioned to take advantage of groups and try to be in your 50 groups but so this might be related to the spam you get from the recruiters this mass email me something about a technology i haven't used in almost a decade but so with groups a lot of the ones that i'm interested in like freelance or rails i mean there just seems to be so much junk on those in those groups it's mostly people just pitching their business or some other kind of spam i mean do you just ignore those groups and try to find smaller groups or do you just get in it because this size and deal with it or ignore it i think it's it's uh yeah and both in other words you should look for the groups that you can get the most out of in relationship to not as much spam good conversations great discussions because basically the manager's doing their job you know, that's what, the, but you should also, because there's 50, find a way to just be in some bigger ones, especially if, you know, they're still in your space, but they're big and then turn off those emails. So there's sort of two things going on. You're going to have the groups that you want to be in and they're good and they're, and the, and the conversations are right and they're not a lot of spam, but then there are just going to be some big honking groups that still have the right people that are going to help you in exposure and your ability to communicate and their ability to find you and you find them, turn off the emails and it's just getting you another another benefit of a group but with a different strategy. All right. My, I sort of assumed you were going to answer it that way, but I wanted to ask anyways, because the groups, I don't know, a lot of the groups I'm in, I basically categorize them all as worthless. They're either nothing or a bunch of spam posts. But so the second question, was you said you'd upgrade for the ability to see more than the last five people that viewed your profile. So what would you do with that information when you had it? Just reach out to them and say, hey, I saw you check out my profile. What are you looking for? How can I help you kind of thing? Yeah, th that's perfect. And, and just to get back to the, I want to answer your group thing. I mean, if I were you, then I would start looking at other people's profiles that you respect in your industry and see what groups are in. But then I would also go in the groups directory and use keywords and see if you can't filter out of, you know, maybe 10 or 15 or 20 of your groups and just sort of recycle them and see if you can land in some better spaces. But on, but on the idea about who viewed your profile, I totally agree with the idea that if somebody looked at your profile, and you looked at that list and then you looked at the profiles there that were interesting that it behooves you to reach out to that person and say just that. I saw you looked at my profile. I looked at yours. I help organizations like yours. Can we have a cup of coffee? We want to chat for a few minutes. I mean, I'm telling you, the people that know what they're doing on LinkedIn, that tool is their number one business development tool. Because let's face find, it, yeah. I mean, just think about it. Nobody just spends Sunday afternoon looking at random profiles. Somebody's on your profile because one of two things are happening. Either some some friend said, go look at Wayne's profile. He's a really good LinkedIn trainer. And that's all they say. And the next thing you know, they pop up and they're a VP of sales somewhere. I don't know why they're there, but a friend sent them, but my friend didn't call me. Or, number, so there's a referral brewing, or you had the right keywords in in a search and you came up in a search so two one of those two things happened probably and so now it's your job not to just sit and wait for the phone to ring but go hey this person's stalking me it must be something brewing i'm gonna contact them are you sure it's not because i showed up in the people you might know and they saw my picture and said dang he's handsome it, it could be that <laughs> I, but i usually i charles you're a different better looking dude than me <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I think you have more hair than I do. <laughs> I've, I've definitely found, though, that when I look at the who's been looking at my profile and there's someone from, say, a high-tech company uh, and I don't know the person, it's not unusual for me to get a call from that person in the next day or two saying, so we're looking for a contract program or we're looking for some consulting. And if I looked at their profile, then I have a little more information sort of as ammunition for when they make that call. Yeah, I think you've done your homework. That's for sure. That, that leads me to another question, and that is, you've talked a lot about the keywords. Is there any way to know what searches people are finding you with and what searches people should be finding you with? If you have a paid account, then one of the things they give you uh, when you click who's viewed your profile are the, the ways that people landed on your profile. It will show you this many people landed there just from your name. This many people landed there because you had rails. This many people had for me a LinkedIn trainer. So you'll be able to learn that that if you do the upgrade. Okay. Yeah, that's a really interesting piece of data. I'm trying to decide how many people but looking at my profile I should have before I really care to upgrade. So, But I guess it only takes one or two turning into clients to make it worth it. So, Yeah, I mean, what you ought to do is just for a little while... Just stay on top of the five, the, the five, and try to do some reach outs and see if in the next couple of weeks you can turn some of that into maybe business or potential business. Then you'll say to yourself, "Dang, I better do this upgrade." Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I like it. So, how many hours do you usually spend on LinkedIn every week finding people that you want to connect to? Oh, you don't want to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> how many hours should I, I spend then? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can tell I'm addicted, so I'm not the right guy to ask. But here, here's what the survey says. The survey, I, I do a survey every year of my, the people that follow me. And the last survey, 500 people took the survey. And three quarters of the people are still spending two hours or under a week on LinkedIn. So it's, it's not this eight hour a week thing. Now, on the other hand, what's interesting is the 25% that are more than two hours is, is getting bigger every survey I do because I think, some people are really saying, you know what, I got to spend a half hour a day because it just, it gets me where I want to go. Yeah, that makes sense. But you got to be, but we all know that it'd be better if the two hours isn't spent during a baseball game or a golf outing on Sunday, but if it's spent 20 minutes a day, because, you know, in social media, people expect you to get back to them a little quicker than the good old days of snail mail. Yeah, makes sense. Now, the other thing that I have is when you reached out to people, do you usually reach out to them through LinkedIn? Or if you can get an email address or a phone number, do you go that way? Well, you know, it's in, that's a great question. And what I've read, a lot of people at, talking, and even LinkedIn admitted at one time that if you send a message through LinkedIn, it has a 30% higher open rate. Oh, really? And think about why that would be, Charles. Think about it because... Number one, there's some affinity between you and them, right? Either you're in a group together or you're connected. Or it's, it's higher because if you think when you send them a message on LinkedIn, it lands in two different inboxes, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And one of those inboxes is less busy. Which one? The LinkedIn inbox is a lot less busy than your email. Yeah, that makes sense. So you get like a two for one. So my suggestion is always through LinkedIn. Because I think your name and your subject line will show up twice in the same day. And, you know, you never know which tool the guy's on or not on. Yeah, that makes sense. So speaking of tools, is there any way to deal with LinkedIn other than their website? I have their iPhone app. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, I guess I don't understand the question. Are there any third-party applications you can use for LinkedIn? Oh, besides? There is an, there's an API for it, I know. But I don't know much about it or how many people use it. Yeah, I know. I know that certain companies, like a Salesforce, has a, a specific integration. But I know all those people are paying money to be integrated like that. Um, I know that you can you can integrate Hootsuite with LinkedIn, both to your personal status updates and your company page updates. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I think we're just about out of time. Um, are there any other areas of LinkedIn that we haven't talked about that we really need to cover before we wrap this up? Uh, you know, we, we didn't talk about status updates and it's one of my pet peeves these days because people are just missing the marketing opportunity behind that. I mean, if you think about it, it's a way to be in front of an audience that's, that is selected to be in front of you and yet people are not using that. So I, I'm always encouraging people to use that. 
The other thing that we didn't talk about at all is about the, the ability to have a company page. And even guys like you that are solopreneurs like myself, you ought to think about having a company page if for nothing else, but that it will show up in the first 10. If somebody Googles your company name, even if it's a company of one, it's at least it's going to be on the first page or the top of the second page on your Google search. So I think you want to try to grab that if you can. And if you add some products and services to that company page, that'll also show up very high in a Google search. So there are some nice marketing opportunities on a LinkedIn company page. Once again, it's free, no charge. So I think you got to grab your space and sort of get started with that as well. So those are a couple of things that I usually like to share with people if we haven't touched on them before. Nice. Well, you realize I'm going to have to go back and listen to this episode and spend a week or two fixing everything in LinkedIn now. <laughs> it seems like whenever I talk to people, they got a big to-do list. I feel bad about that. Oh, <laughs> don't feel bad because uh, honestly, the only reason I do it is because I see value in it. So Good. Well, that's good. Well, I, I enjoyed being on with you guys. It was fun. Great. Well, um, we're going to go ahead and get into the picks then. Reuven, do you want to start us off? Sure. So I have two main picks for this week. Uh, both have to do, again, with lecturing and slides. I decided a few days ago that I'm getting a little annoyed with working with Keynote to do all of my slides for my lectures and talks about programming. And I decided that as someone who uses Emacs all the time for absolutely everything, I'm sure there's a way to connect org mode with slides. And sure enough, so I've discovered what many other people have discovered, which is Eric Meyer's S5 slide system, and that there's an org mode export to S5. And I just did a little playing with it over the last day or so, and I'm blown away by how incredibly easy it is to have text and have code and have it come out nicely. I'm going to have to play with it a little more before switching to it completely, but it just completely, completely changes everything from my perspective for programming talks. Um, and as one tiny little sort of mini uh, pick, uh, backups. My hard disk is on its last legs, and it's not scaring me nearly as much as it did in the last last few times this happened, because I have I can be confident my backups are there, they're working, and so I encourage everyone who does not already back up religiously, fanatically to do so, and then you can also be a happy person like me. What do you use for backups? Uh, I have two disks onto which I back up. Uh, so I have a Mac, so I use Time Machine, and so it's continuously backing up whenever I'm at home onto one disk. Uh, and then I have another disk that I do carbon copy cloner uh, once a day. So when, I, when I'm asleep at night, it clones. And the reason I do that is I used to just have the uh, Time Machine backup. And then basically my disk died, and I discovered how long Time Machine takes to restore a whole disk. And it was just painful. So I got this advice from a friend of mine, actually. He said, listen, if you clone your whole disk every day, then Time Machine can just sort of fill in the gaps between your last clone and what you're missing. Right, and because it just writes bits instead of figuring out what the files are. Yeah, exactly. It's basically running rsync behind the scenes, from what I can tell. Oh, cool. Awesome. Uh, Curtis, what are your picks? I've got two today. First one is for my IDE of choice, which is PHP Storm, or I guess it's RubyMine, or a version of that for you Ruby folks. And they just came out with a whole bunch of uh, tutorials, uh, like a whole series of them, uh, which is excellent, because there's always features you do not know in your editor of choice. And then uh, my daily scrum, which is uh, my friend's daily scrum videos that he's doing as he works on a project and tries to find work. And they're funny and interesting as he codes in a car to get away from a crying child and stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, Eric, what are your picks? All right. So this past week I've been doing a lot of writing. And so my pick is a, like a writing tool that I've been kind of experimenting with and I'm actually really enjoying. It's called Scrivenger. Um, I'll have the link in the show notes because I don't even think I'm pronouncing it right. And Scrivener. Yes, that thing. Scrivener. Scrivener. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's awesome just because I've always written my books as like opening up a word or a text file and just dumping words into it. With this, I can kind of jump around a lot better. And, um, probably this week I'll start editing and that's when I'm going to be able to really use a lot of the tools in it where you can like look at, you know, look at chapters one, five, and seven all at once in a flow to kind of see if they flow together. And so it's, it's nice. I'm using the Linux version, which is actually in a public beta and it's actually working flawless for me. I'm, you know, backing my stuff up and exporting it every time I use it just in case, but, um, it's pretty great. And the Mac version is supposed to have a ton more features because it's a newer version. Nice. All right. Jeff, what are your picks? I only have one this week and it's bartender. It's, uh, Mac app and 
for me, I have a 24-inch screen, and the left and right side of my menu bar on the Mac were almost touching, so it's time to deal with all the crap in my menu. So Bartender puts it in a little ellipsis and gets most of the junk off my menu bar, which doesn't fix the problem, but it's a nice Band-Aid. <laughs> Good hiding the problem. Yeah, I heard about that on Mac Power Users. It sounds really cool. All right, so uh, I've got a couple of picks. Of course, my mind went blank the second I said that. I, I guess we'll let Wayne go first, and I'll remember what my picks are. So, uh, Wayne, go ahead. Okay. Um, I appreciate you guys asking me. There's a book that I'd recommend to anybody who wants to really start figuring out how, how to have their own platform. You know, with all these social media tools, it's a question of what do we do with them, how do we integrate them, and how do we build our own personal professional platform. And a guy by the name of Michael Hyatt wrote a book called Just That, Platform that I'd recommend highly. He he breaks it down to the kind of microphone you should use if you podcast and you know, the WordPress plugins that he likes. And so he can be very technical at times, but other times he's he's able to understand the whole marketing theory behind each of us having our own business platform. And boy, it's really helped me. And I know, you know, freelancers, solopreneurs like you guys, we're all, we're all blessed now with the fact that we can have our own voice and, and, pl- and, you know, channels to do what we what we want to do because of social media, and he sort of brings it all together. Yeah, it's it's a good book. I I've, I've cracked it. I haven't read it all the way through, but uh, I really like also. And I guess I'll pick these his podcast. This is your life. Terrific, terrific show. And then um, I'm also a member of his platform university, where he publishes videos, and uh, the videos are also really really good. I think the last one was him and Dave Ramsey. So. Yeah, that was that was great, wasn't it? I haven't had a chance to watch it. I've I've been really really busy, and you know, between the family faint things that keep coming up and work, I just haven't had time. But I'm so looking forward to that. I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan, so yeah, you'll love it. He's Michael Hyatt's a smart guy. Yeah, he really is. He was the CEO of uh, or chairman or something of Thomas Nelson Publishing, and now he's kind of uh, chasing his own thing. I really want to go to his launch conference. Uh, the, he and I forget the other guy's name, but they put it together out in Colorado. But yeah, great, great stuff. So I guess I'll, I'll pick those. And, uh, did you have anything else, Wayne, or should we wrap up the show? No, I'm fine. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up the show then. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, we'll catch y'all next week. <laughs>